Welcome, everyone. Thank you for being here. <clears throat> it's good to see you guys. Is it Super Bowl Sunday? So, yeah. Some of you don't care about that. Some of you do. But I am glad you're here. And uh, we have a, a special service. In fact, at the end of this worship, we're going to be having a baptism celebration. Uh, usually takes about, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes. I don't know how many people are going to be baptized. And so let me just say this at the very beginning. Uh, if you're going to be baptized, if, if you're a lady, you go on this side. If you're a guy... We go on that side. We don't want to get those two rooms confused, right? Because people be changing into swimwear or whatever. But uh, I don't know if it's swimwear, is it? But anyway, we're going to be, uh, we'll be doing that at the end of this worship. Um, also, our church is really growing. God is blessing us. Uh, we continue. Uh, a lot of good things are happening, but at the same time, we're growing. If, if you can, I would consider going to the first worship, uh, the, the service at 930 has a little bit more open seats than, than here. But uh, at any rate, if, if, if for some reason we can't fit everybody in here, we're putting together an overflow room in this area that we're going to be called, that we're going to be calling the living room, where you got your coffee. That's going to be an overflow room, and we're going to rig that up where uh, we'll have some extra seating in there in the future. It's streaming now? Yeah. So they can see me live? Yeah. So hello, everybody in the overflow room. <laughs> <coughs> Oh, no. But anyway, if, if we don't have enough room. Another thing is if, if uh, sometimes kids are a little bit loud or whatever, they won't be in the nursery or they won't be in here, whatever, that's a good place uh, to, uh, that's a good place to take your kids sometimes. So whatever works for you. We are, um, uh, before I get started, I want to say that next week I'm kicking off a brand new series called Daniel. Uh, the actual name of the series is called When Life Doesn't Make Sense. Have you ever been through some things in life that doesn't make sense? Why is this happening? What's God thinking right now? What in the world is going on? I'm going to be walking through the life of Daniel for about four to five weeks. And maybe you know the story of Daniel in the lion's den, but Daniel had an incredible life and a, a, an incredible backstory that you may not know. So we're going to be walking through that, and I believe that God is going to do some incredible things through the upcoming series. Amen? Don't forget that. This kicks off next week. Well, I want to continue declare. In fact, I'm concluding I declare this week. And let's just kick it off with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here today. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to baptize people. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray, Lord, as we minister, that you will have your way in this service, that you will challenge and confront us, but most of all, change us. In Christ's name, and everybody said, Amen. look at your neighbor and say, I declare. In Psalm 93, or Psalm 96 and 3, it says, Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples, for great is the Lord and greatly to be, to be praised. As I said before, we're going to be having a baptism celebration. If you think about what a baptism is, uh, this is the area where we're going to be baptizing people. Baptism is a symbol of our declaration of salvation. Once you give your life to Christ... Baptism declares that. It's, it's, it's why we get baptized. We declare in front of everybody, in front of our friends and family, whatever, that we, are, that we are saved. And baptism does not make you saved. It just is a symbol. And it is a, a show and a reminder to everybody that you have given your life to Christ. What I want to tell you is, these things that we have declared, it is important to take some time and have some symbols. These, we've, we've got four declarations that we've declared at the beginning of the year. Let me give you an example. Does anybody have a Reach One bracelet on? Let me see it. Does anybody have a, 
A Reach One bracelet is what we wear at our church, which reminds us that we are followers of Christ and we are ambassadors of Christ. This is, it says Reach One because this is our evangelism strategy. Our evangelism strategy is called Reach One, reaching the entire world one person at a time. This is a symbol and it is a reminder of that declaration that I have made. Let me give you another example. This ring that I wear on my right hand, I have made a certain commitment to God that's between me and God. And that is a declaration and a reminder and a symbol of that commitment at this season in my life. But if I were to take this ring off and I were to put it on my left hand, what is that a symbol of? What is this a symbol of? That's right. Right. This, if, if you're, look at the ring on your spouse's hand or somebody next to you. And if your spouse doesn't have their wedding ring on, say, where's your wedding ring? Just look at him, shrug your shoulder, and say, what's up with that? What that is, is that is a symbol of a public declaration that you have made in front of everybody that I'm going to spend the rest of my life with this person right here, forsaking all others, the vow is made. It is a declaration. It is a symbol and a reminder. Sometimes we, we need to be reminded of things that we have declared, which reminds me of an old country song that I want to read to you. you got to love country music. It's called, On the Other Hand, by Randy Travis. And I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. He says, on one hand, kind of relax on these lyrics, okay? We don't teach this. This is just the words of the song. On one hand, I count the reasons I could stay with you and hold you close to me all night long. We could play so many lovers' games, and I'm going to paraphrase the rest. We could have a good time. (laughs) And on that hand, I see no reason why it's wrong. Second verse goes, in your arms I feel passion. I thought had died. When I looked into your eyes, I found myself. When I first kissed your lips, I felt so alive. I've got a hand to it to you, girl. You're something else. And on one hand, I can see no reason why it's wrong. However, on the other hand, there's a golden band to remind me of someone who would not understand. <laughs> Oh, my passion and desire for you. On, on, that's funny to me. On one hand, I could stay and be your lover, man. But the reason I got to go is on the other hand. <laughs> Thank goodness for that symbol. I don't know. Like I say, you know, nothing beats country music, right? In 2017, we're talking about how we want this to be our best year. We started off the first weekend in January declaring some things in our lives. And we're declaring some things, making very clear statements that leave no room for doubt. What I want to encourage you to do is have a symbol of those declarations. We've talked about how we're going to write them down, speak them out, and and walk them out in our lives. But I want to encourage you to have some kind of a symbol. I've heard of people... You know, buying bracelets or buying, you know, rings that remind them of these declarations. I've talked to couples before that, that when they uh, became married and they, you know, they bought their first house to, to symbolize the fact that that house would be and that, that was where their family would give, would, would provide their roots and they would live for God. They planted a tree and over years they watched that tree grow. It was a symbol of that declaration. So I want to encourage you, the things that you've learned, hopefully you've written these things down over the past few weeks and, and, and you're going to apply those to your lives, that you put some intentionality on those things and you don't forget them and you apply them to your heart and your mind and you create some kind of symbol. Is that all right? I want to encourage you to do that. In Deuteronomy, the fourth chapter, 
we see a declaration of our Lord and example. He says, and he declared, this is our go-to verse throughout the series, and he declared to you his covenant which he commanded you to perform, that is, the Ten Commandments, and he wrote them on two tablets of stone. So we see as an example that when God got ready to declare something, he would speak it out, he would write it out, and he would have us perform it. We're, We're saying it like this. You speak it out, you write it out, and you walk it out. Will you say that with me? Speak it out. And just say it one more time for the series. I'm going to speak. That, we do that because we want a successful declaration so we don't just say these things and follow through or, or not follow through with these things. Let's talk about some of these declarations that we made. I'm going to very quickly review and I'm going to land on this fourth one. The first week we declared that we are followers of Christ. Everybody say, I am, I am. a follower of Christ. No more indecisiveness, once and for all. I'm not going to ride the fence on this anymore. My people, my family, my friends, people are going to know that I am a follower of Christ. In fact, I don't just follow Christ. I am a follower of Christ. I don't just follow Christ. I am a Christian. I am a blood-bought, Bible-believing, Scripture-reading, saved, sanctified, spirit-filled, prayer-praying, church-going, God-fearing, Jesus-freak disciple of Christ. Any questions? Amen. Amen? That's who we are. That's who we are. Let it be known. Week two, we said this. We are ambassadors for Christ. Everybody say, I am am. an ambassador of Christ. Christ. I represent Christ to the world. My life matters. My life matters because people are watching and we want God to see. We want people to see God in my life. People see Christ through me. They will see his love. I don't just win souls. I am a soul winner. I am an ambassador for Christ. The third week, we declare that we are the church. Everybody say, I am the church. The church church isn't a place I go. The church is who I am. I am part of the body of Christ. Therefore, I will belong to the church and I will build his church. And here's the last declaration. I declare that I am blessed and favored by God. Everybody say, I am. am. Blessed and favored by God. God. Look at your neighbor and say, you're going to like this one. See, you you have waited five weeks for this one. This is the one. It it took declaring these other things in our lives to get to this one. Everybody's all, all about being blessed and being favored by God, but the other things have to be in order. They are prerequisites to what God is going to be doing in our lives. The Old Testament Aaron was the first priest, and God commanded Aaron. Aaron was the brother of Moses. God commanded him. He said, I want you to pronounce this priestly blessing on God's people. You might have heard it before if you're a part of Faith Go Church. Number 6 and 24 says this. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. And everybody said? That is a priestly blessing that has been pronounced on God's people. We take that from the Old Testament. But what is it to bless? What is it when somebody says, God bless you? To bless someone is to pronounce divine favor. Blessing can only come from God. So when you say, God bless you, or when you even say, bless you, to bless can only come from a divine presence. So that is what blessing is, to pronounce divine favor. What is favor? What is it to be favored? To be favored is to be preferred. To be, to be preferred or simply because somebody is fond of you. It's kind of like your children. It's, not, it's, it's without merit. Your kids have done nothing for you to love them, right? 
They don't, they, I mean, you don't walk around saying, man, my kids do this and that, and they've done all these wonderful things, therefore I love them. No, you love your kids because they're yours. Amen? That, that's, that's kind of the nature of what it is to be favored and blessed from God, and we're going to talk about how and why here in just a second. But, but everybody likes preferred treatment. I mean, if you really think about it, we kind of like preferred treatment, you know, the special seating. We like the, the special seating, right? You like, you like to be preferred. You like to sit in the, in the best seating in the house. It's always nice to, to get that kind of preferred seating. A lot of times when, or every time when I fly, I make that trip, you know, as you're boarding the airplane, you make that trip down the middle in the first section of the plane. What is that? What is that section? It's first class. And every time I walk down that aisle in first class and those people are sitting there, those people, every time, <laughs> and I'm making my way back into the, the second and the third and the fourth class of people, as I'm walking through there, I, I begin to question my life decisions. You know what I'm saying? I wish I would have worked a little bit harder. I wish I wouldn't have sold my UPS stock so early. You know what I'm saying? I, I just question all the things that, that are going on. But, you know, if you, if you think about it, the, the, the way... The way it works in, in an airplane or a flight, this is a little bit of exaggeration, but something like this. We we'll begin boarding our plane, our flight to Chicago. We're going to be go, we're going to be beginning our boarding now. Our first class passengers, please make your way to the boarding dock at your leisure. Take your time. There's no rush. As far as everyone else, uh, please stay out of their way. These are successful people. <laughs> they are way more important than you. You, have th- you should have thought about your life decisions a long time ago. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's kind of the way it feels. But As you walk through the first class section, please do not make eye contact <laughs> with our first class passengers as this could be awkward, leave them alone and get on the plane and good luck. Hopefully you can find a seat. I was, uh, I was flying here a while back and, and uh, I, was, I always like to sit in the row behind first class. You know, I'm thinking by way of association, you know. But I'm, I'm sitting in the row. I always like to sit right there because there's more room and... Uh, I'm seated there, and I'm looking up there every now and then. I'll stick a foot in there just to say I've been in first class. <laughs> you know, they got that holy veil. They got that holy veil that you can't cross. Like, you can't. And I was, uh, you know, there, you couldn't get in the restroom all the way to the back of the plane. So I thought, well, I'll just use this restroom up in first class. So I took a step up there, and the stewardess ran back there and said, Sir, 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 can I help you? And I said, uh. Yeah, I was, I, was just gonna, I was just gonna use the restroom here. And she said, This restroom right here? And I said, Yeah, this restroom right here. Um, you can't use this restroom. This restroom is for our first class passengers. Are you a first class passenger? No. Well, your restroom is all the way 50 rows back. Do you see that line back there? That's your restroom. So if you'll be kind enough, well, I was just, I was just gonna use it. Well, I was going, I'm exaggerating, of course, but this is the way I felt. Well, I, you know, there's nobody in here, so I would just, don't even touch that. Don't even touch that first class. And then as she was closing the veil, 
She's like, good luck with your hopes and dreams. <laughs> but when it comes to God, we have a divine godly favor on our lives. Where does, this, where does this come from and why has God blessed us and favored us? Well, the answer is in Ephesians 2 and 6. It says, for he has raised us from the dead with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. First of all, we realize God gives us blessing and favor because of association. Not because of anything that we've done, but because of who we've come to believe in. Amen? It's by association. The seventh verse says, So God can point to us in all future ages as examples of the incredible wealth and his grace and kindness toward us as shown in all he has done for us who are united in Christ Jesus. So the seventh verse gives another reason why we are blessed and favored by God and God gives us his grace and it's unmerited. It is because that he wants to use us as an example to point to, to as to show the world what happens when people unite with Christ. So it's twofold. Number one is because we are just associated with his son. We've come to believe on the Lord Jesus. And we've accepted him as Lord and Savior of our lives. So that's the first reason that we walk in blessing in favor of God. But the other reason is so we would be example to the world. This is what happens. This is the life that Christians have. This is the joy and the peace that happens. You see, that was the whole idea about God Blessing and choosing the Israelites as his chosen people. It started with one person. In a world where nobody believed in God, God looks down and sees Abraham. And Abraham finds favor with God. And the Bible says that he was a friend of God. And God said, because you have this relationship and because you have chosen me in the middle of this vile and foul world, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bless you and I'm going to, I'm going to start a nation from you. And the entire world is going to be blessed through your life. In fact, I'm going to take your people and I'm going to show the world how to have a relationship with God. That's what happens. That's what happened in the Old Testament. Flip that into the New Testament. We are not Israelites. We are not Jews. However, because we have believed on the Lord Jesus, that was one of the reasons why Jesus came to the earth was to adopt people. Yes, we're not Jews, but we're just as important and we are accepted as children of God. When we believe on the Lord Jesus, we become children of God. We are heirs with Christ, like brothers and sisters with Christ, and we have all of those priestly blessings. Isn't that wonderful? That's how we are blessed and favored. Listen to this. Eighth verse says, and God saved us, or God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the things that, or for the good things that we have done. So no one or none of us can boast about it. It was about association. It's about connecting with our Lord. So there's the why and the how of God's blessing and favor on our lives. So because I am a child of God, because I am blessed and favored, I'm going to declare these things in my life. I'm going to walk in these things. I'm going to walk in the blessings and favor of God in my life. Let's talk about how we're going to do that. Number one is I'm going to believe it. Look at your neighbor and say, believe it. 
That is the hardest thing about giving your life to Christ is believing these things about yourself. Because our world is filled with guilt. Our world is filled with all kinds of sin. It's, 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 a, it's a very hard thing many times to cross that line or to turn that corner in, in, into belief and faith. But Romans 12 and 2 says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal or the renewing of your mind. And that's when you begin to figure out what God's will is for your life. It begins with a change of mind. You see, salvation can happen in an instant. Salvation happens with a prayer. However, renewing of the mind and the paradigm shift of our minds and, and thinking that way may take, may take some time, even years but it is a process. Colossians 3 and 10 says, talks about us, and have put on the, our new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, or renewed in knowledge after the image of our creator, of its creator. You see, as we grow in the knowledge of God, as we grow, this is why we want to be a part of Bible studies. This is why we want to be a part of small groups. This is why we want to be a part of, of Sunday morning worship where we can learn about the word and, and we want to pay attention and read the scripture on a daily basis because as we grow in the knowledge of God, we grow in the knowledge of who we are in God. And this is how we begin to believe. This, a lot of people, when they, when they first give their life to Christ, they feel so unworthy and we are, nobody is worthy of, of the sacrifice of Jesus. But we... Because we have believed, the Bible says we have been justified so we can walk in the favor and the blessing of God. But the problem is believing. If I'm going to believe that I am blessed in favor by God, I have to think differently. And this is just something I, wanna, I think that we're all guilty of as far as thinking differently about myself. Here's what I've got to decide. I've got to decide that I am not a victim. I have to decide that for myself. That the, this, is, this is the message. The message to the American culture many times is that you have been victimized. You are a victim. Therefore, you are entitled to something. Think about that for a second. You, you, you've, you've, you've been injured. Have you? Do you have a rash on your back? If so, you might have been exposed to something. And you are entitled to collection. Or something. So if you'll give us a call. How many times do we hear that? How many times in our American culture do we hear that, hey, you have, you have been a victim. Somebody has taken advantage of you. Therefore, you are entitled. Let us take care of that for you. So many times we hear that. But I want to tell you something. That is not the message of Christ. That is not the message of God. The message of God is even though, that you, even though you have been a victim. And let me just stop right there. Because I don't want to minimize anybody that's been a victim. We all, in some way, form of nature, large or small, have been victimized or taken advantage of. But just, and let me just validate that. Maybe you've been through something, somebody, somebody has victimized you in some way. But I want to tell you something. The message of our Lord is, even though that you have been a past victim, that does not mean that you are a present or a future victim. Amen? A lot of times when we are a victim, we are held captive by victimized thoughts in our lives and it, and it sabotages every relationship and every blessing from God. So I'm going to just tell you right now, because you've given your life to Christ, you are no longer a victim. Right? I, am, I refuse to be a victim. A lot of times guilt will press up in our lives. It will remind us of our past. It will remind us of what people have done to us. It will remind us of so many times of getting the short end of the stick. And then we don't trust people. We can't move on in relationships. 
We can't move on in the blessings of God. And we're afraid to risk things or, or we're going to play it safe or whatnot. Well, I want to tell you something. You are no longer a victim. So stop having victim mentality. Amen? All, that's, that's a good message for all of us. Never, even though you've been victimized, don't have victim mentality. Amen? On the brink of walking into the land of Canaan, the Bible says that God had spoken to the Israelites, and he says, listen, I'm going to go before you in this land of Canaan. I'm going to fight for you, and I've already proved it to you. I delivered you from Egyptian slavery by way of ten plagues. They saw God move greatly, and then... Right before the Egyptian army was about to take you out, I put a fire between them and you, and I parted the Red Sea, and you marched across the Red Sea on dry land all night long. I am going to go before you just like that in the land of Canaan, and I'm going to give you a land that, you, that, that you're just going to inherit. You don't even have to really fight. I'm going to do your fighting. I'm going to drive them out. I'm going to, in the same way that I, that I punished Egypt, Egypt, I'm going to punish the land of Canaan. I'm going to drive them out. Read it. And as they were on the brink, the Bible says that Moses sent in 12 spies into the land of Canaan. They stayed there for 40 days. And after 40 days, they came back. And the Bible says that 10 of those spies brought back an evil or a negative report. And they said, it is, it is everything that God said it was. This is the most incredible land that we have ever seen. You have never seen a land like the land of Canaan. But there are so Many people and so many great warriors. The, the, the people of Anak are from there, which were known as warrior giants. Uh, the, the walls of the city are so great. There is no way we can overcome these people. And the Bible says that the people began to weep and to mourn. And then Joshua and Caleb, who were the youngest of the spies, stood up and said, Wait, wait, wait. Don't do this. Don't, don't doubt. God is with us. Yes. You see, they, they had the same experience, but they had a set of alternative facts. You see, yeah, God is with us. There's no way that, that uh, it, just in ourselves, there's no way that we can do this. But listen, God did some great things a few days ago. God is with us, and he's going to drive them out. Let's do this. Let's move forward. But Psalm 106 says this. You see, these people were victimized in slavery for 400 years and their past experience, even though they saw God move greatly, they couldn't walk and believe in the blessings and favor of God because of their victimized mentality. And it trumped them. <laughs> Bad word. <laughs> no, it's not. I'm sorry. Edit, just edit all that out. It, what's another word? It eliminated them from being able to walk forward and what God was doing in their lives. If you are a victim, if you are a victim and you have a victim mentality, you will not be able to move forward in what God has for your life. Psalm 106 and 24 says, The people refused to enter the pleasant land, for they wouldn't believe his promise to care for them. They wouldn't believe, they refused to believe, and they, 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 they refused to believe his promise to care for them. Instead, they grumbled in their tents and refused to obey the Lord. Believing is a choice. Whose report are you going to believe? The Bible says that if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Refuse to be a victim. Go forward. It doesn't matter what your life is like. You have the power 
to believe in what God wants to do in your life. You know, David, in Psalm 139, he got a revelation of what God really thought about him. Regardless of what the world thinks, regardless about what people might have said, regardless of what you've been through, David got just an image of what God thought about him, and he wrote it in Psalm 139 and 1. He says, O Lord, you have examined my heart and know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up, you know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home, you know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it, Lord. You go before me and follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the mornings, if I dwell by the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. You made all my delicate inner parts. This is the 13th verse. You made all of my delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me, or you watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. Listen to me. You have a heavenly father. When he looks at you, he smiles at you. And he has wonderful thoughts towards you. And he desires, because of the way he feels about you, he desires to bless you. And he desires to show you his favor. You just have to believe it. Amen? So the first thing I'm going to do is going to, I'm going to believe it. I've got to get through these points pretty fast. The second thing I want to do is I'm going to speak it. Our words have power. And we need to, as I said before, this, this blessing that we declare over the church is number 6 and 24. This is something that we speak to people because words have power. James 3 and 10 says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. In other words, you have the power to, be, to bring blessing and curse on your life by what you say. Now, I'm not talking about saying you are cursed with a curse. I curse you. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the things that you say. You have the ability to change or to influence your circumstances with your words. In fact, you, you can take a bad situation and you can make a bad si situation even worse with your words. For example, fellas, when your wife is sick and she comes in and she feels really, really bad and you say something like, hey, you know, baby, do you feel bad? Yeah, well, you look bad too. That, that makes a bad situation even much worse. You can do that with your words. In fact, you can, you, can, you, can, you can bring bad or you can bring good into every situation. For example, think about today or think about tomorrow. Think about Monday. A lot of people don't really enjoy Mondays. If you get up, you have the ability to affect your day with your words. If you get up and say, man, I hate Mondays. I... I why does Mondays even have to be here? You can flip that around, and instead of leading your day off with some negative thoughts, you can say, 
It is Monday. I really don't want to go back to work. But you know what? God is going to go before me today. I'm going to be a blessing. Father, I pray that you will give me opportunities to serve people. Give me an opportunity to to touch somebody's life. Today is a day that you've made, and I'm going to be glad, and I'm going to walk in your blessing and favor. Amen? You can do that with your words. What about your job? I hate my job. I hate my job. I hate everybody at my job. Maybe at your job, you're not, maybe it's not your dream job, or maybe you do things at your job that you don't enjoy. Well, you don't have to speak it out. You can bring blessing and curse to any circumstance. You know what? I may not like everything about my job, and there are things that I really don't like about my job, but my job gives me opportunities to do things, to make money. There are people that are without work that would like to have my job, right? So uh, a job is a blessing. It provides food for my family and other things. So I'm going to walk in blessing as I think about my job. What about my finances? Maybe you're struggling financially. Man, we're going down. Well, you don't have to speak that. Even if if finances are a struggle right now, God is going to provide, the Bible says. God will provide according to his riches, not mine. Yes, we got to make wise decisions. Yes, we can make calculated risk. However, we understand that God will provide and we can walk in the blessings and favor of God. He desires that. What about family? Man, my kids. Uh, you, you You can curse your family and your kids. Man, my kids are animals. Don't say that. What if they are? You know, they still don't say it. Man, man dude, my, my kid's not very smart. My kid's dumb. My, don't, don't speak that stuff, man, even if it's true. You know what? Don't say that. Man, you build your kids up. I don't care where they are. If they're not making good grades, you are the worst student i ever seen. Don't speak that stuff. Man, you, you are blessed and favored by God. Even though you made a D, we're going to make a C next week. You speak words of blessing and favor into their lives. What about your life? Man, my life is terrible. I hate my life. You know what? The Bible says that God works everything to our good. So even in bad situations, God may not deliver you out of a bad situation, but he will take that decision, uh, those, those situations, according to Romans, he will take those situations and he will work them towards our good because he loves us. Amen? So speak, speak the blessings and the favor of God into your life. Look at your neighbor and say, speak it. So I'm going to believe it. I'm going to speak it. And lastly, I'm going to live it. In 2 Corinthians 8 and 7, because I walk in the blessing and favor of God, I'm going to live that way. It says, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, you excel as, as far as gifted speakers, you excel in the knowledge of God, you, expe- you, you excel in your enthusiasm, your love for us. I want you to excel also in the gracious act of giving. In other words, I am going to walk in the blessings of favor of God, and I'm going to practice it in my life. In other words, I'm going to be committed to generosity. I will walk in faith. I believe that God wants to bless me. I'm not going to be afraid to risk things as far as business. If I believe that God is leading me to start a business or leading me to invest in a certain area, I'm not going to be moved by fear. I'm going to take calculated risks, but I'm going to move forward knowing that God wants to bless me. Why does God want to bless me? First of all, we talked about this because he loves me as his son, but he also wants to pour blessings to me so he can pour blessings through me. Did you hear that? He wants to put blessings into my life so he can get blessings through my life. He wants to bless a world through me. Just the way he said to Abraham, I'm going to bless the world through you. God wants to bless people through his church. How many of you know our new building campaign, or our new building, that takes money, and it takes the church to pay for that. So here's what I'm praying, and I'm believing, I'm declaring that God blesses you in such a way that we can, we can build this thing debt-free. 
I want to do that. But God's got to bless you first. And it's not just about you so you can walk in the blessings of God. That's the start. No, he wants to get blessings through you so you can be a generous person, so you can provide for your family, so you can provide for his church. Right? God puts blessings to you so he can put blessings through you. But we walk in generosity. 2 Corinthians 8 and 11 says, Give into proportion to what you have. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have or and give according to what you have not according to what you don't have so many people have gotten this twisted so many i've heard so many evangelists on television that that twist this that give your way out of poverty or give if you don't have the money put it on a credit card or whatever that's twisted jesus never taught that the bible does not teach that the bible says to give eagerly and cheerfully out, out of what you have in your hand it is in proportion. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's big or it's small. You just give eagerly out of what God has placed in your hand. Amen? And God multiplies it, and he blesses it, and he blesses its source. Because I am blessed and favored by God, I will be used as an instrument of generosity of God. Amen? I'm going to believe it, I'm going to speak it, and I'm going to live it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today and for speaking to us. And thank you, Lord, for confronting and challenging us today wherever we are with you. Speak to people and bring life change. And I know, Lord, you're dealing with people right now. Wherever we are with you, whatever needs to be done, let that be done today in Christ's name. As your heads are bowed and, and people are praying, maybe you're hearing God is dealing with you. What is God saying to you right now about your life? What is God speaking to you? Where is he wanting to challenge or confront you today? Will you answer that? Maybe the situation is that God is dealing with you about the declarations that we've been talking about. And you wrote those things down. Maybe God's dealing with you about taking a step in that direction. I'd like to pray with you right now. This is not for the unbeliever or the person that don't know Christ. This is specifically for you, that you serve God, that God is dealing with you about certain declarations. It could be that God is laying on your heart to be a, a more committed father or a more committed mother, that God is dealing with you about some changes that need to take place, some things that you need to ride out, speak out, walk out. If that be the case, I want to agree with you right now as we pray. Let's all pray together. If you're seated next to someone that you love, take her hand, take his hand. The Bible talks about the significance of two or three in agreement. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person that is here. I pray, Father, that you will deal with us about what needs to be declared. Change us in areas of our lives that need to be changed. And Lord, I pray that what we have spoken, what we have written, and what we are living, God, this will not soon leave our hearts and minds, but it will be implanted and it will change us, God. And by the time we get to 2018, one year from now, we see incredibly life, incredible life change because what we set in order, what we set into stone right now. We're not going to leave it to happenstance and just hope it works out. We're going to be very intentional about the, the things that you have dealt with us that we should declare. So I stand with these today that today declare and are committed to that declaration 
of living for you, of serving you, of setting some things to be intentional in their lives. In Jesus' name, if you believe that, say amen. I'd like for you to continue to bow your heads, if you will, please. I want to pray one more prayer. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, if Jesus is not Lord and Savior of your life, if you have never given your life to Jesus, you have never said, Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life, I want to lead you in a prayer too. If you have, maybe you've walked away from God in your life. Maybe when you were a kid, you once lived for God, but you walked away from God. You turned your back on God. And now you're away from him and you're not living for God and you live for yourself and you do whatever you want to do, but you feel God dealing with you about making a decision to follow him. I want to lead you in a prayer. Or maybe you don't know and you want to know for sure. Whatever the story is, I would like to lead you in a prayer. Now listen, this is between you, me, and God with nobody looking around, nobody moving around. If you can say, Travis, I want to give my life to Christ. And I'm not going to have you stand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm going to pray the same kind of prayer. You're seated right there. We'll all pray together. If you're here today and you can say, Travis, I want to give my life to Christ today. And I want to be entered into that prayer that you're about to pray. Very quickly, just slip your hand up and slip it down. I see your hand there. I see your hand there. You can put them down. Anybody else? Anybody else? Say, that's me. I'm serious about this. I want to give my life to Christ today. All right, if that's all, we're going to pray. And if you lifted your hand, just repeat this prayer after me. And today's the day you make things right with God. Let's all pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, as I'm before you today, I give you my life. Jesus, be Lord and Savior of my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. And I believe in you that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment on, my life is committed to you. I declare this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Come on, guys. Let's celebrate.